0: Joining us in the studio right now is the Assistant Chief Fire Officer, Joshua Fisher. Good morning to you,
1: Josh. Good morning, Katie.
0: Good to have you in the studio. Um, we know that really uh, the the fire season has already begun, hasn't it? The declaration of that fire danger period was the 28th of June.
1: Yeah, that's correct. So we're, we're well into our uh, bushfire season here in the top end uh, and all emergency services personnel, uh, especially our NTFRS volunteer members, have already given uh, so much this top end fire season, you know, spending time away from families uh, jobs and their loved ones working to keep the community safe
0: Do you reckon we're going to have a fairly um, big fire season given the fact that we had, I guess we had quite a bit of rain um, you know, generally we see quite a bit of growth around the place and then as it dries out uh, it becomes sort of what would you call it, fuel for fires?
1: Yeah, certainly. So, you know, the top-end wildfires this year have been fuelled by the high levels of growth that yeah. uh, uh, following that increased rainfall experienced from last wet season. So this growth uh, presents a significant challenge for landholders and our firefighters um, because fires can easily start and then move very quickly, which often catches people off guard. Yeah, Um that we are for certain areas of the top end in an above-normal bushfire potential, uh, yep. resulting from that increased grass growth. Uh, we do have reduced areas that have been mitigated this year, particularly in our Darwin ERA. So there's lots of uh, grass fuel around yep. uh, that can pose a risk to us.
0: And then what about that gamba grass as well? I know that, um, like out in the rural area particularly, it's something that people generally always kind of raise, like always say to us that they're worried about the gamba grass.
1: Yeah, certainly gamba grass, as we know, uh, you know, presents a, a very very much an increased risk to our uh, firefighters, but also the risk that it uh, could pose to the community with respect to damage to property or uh, injury or loss of life uh, even. And so, uh, you know, fire weather conditions will worsen through August. You know, that's a a, a track that generally happens. Um, So it's really important that we need to keep, uh, or property owners need to keep uh, their property prepared. They need to have a bushfire survival plan that's up to date and discuss with their family uh, and through anyone. That's at their household, whether there's visitors uh, visiting from interstate or mm. from anywhere else in the Territory.
0: Is it too late? Um, you know, I know that people in the rural area are much, still, much more switched on than this stuff than I am, but is it too late for them uh, to be doing different stuff on their blocks now to make sure that they're prepared, or is it still is it still an opportunity for them to do so?
1: No, there's still an opportunity. Uh, very basic tasks like keeping their lawns cut and clearing overhanging tree branches or any leaf litter, you know, that may save uh, their home or possession if a fire does threaten your season. So uh, landowners need to be managing their property for fire year round.
0: Yeah. Hey, um, I know that already since the 28th of June you guys have already gone out to 246 wildfires is the, is the figure that I've seen. That seems like a large number already is it?
1: Yeah, it certainly is. Two hundred and forty-six wildfires since the commencement of the top end uh, fire danger period. That's probably an increase around fifty to sixty than what we'd uh, have normally seen over the last couple of years. So that's certainly reflective of that increased grass growth uh, and reflective uh, of um, of the some of the less mitigation that has occurred in the um, Darwin era.
0: Gee, that uh, is it going to make it a difficult fire season? This one, do you reckon it is going to be?
1: Well, certainly, if, if fires do occur, they're going to be extremely difficult for us to contain. And, and as I mentioned there, as we move into August, we're going to see that fire weather conditions worsen. So yep. um, they will be uh, quite difficult for us and our, our career and our volunteer crews to to contain and keep people safe.
0: I know that, um, you know, obviously, when you talk about August, it's going to be a difficult month. And I did catch up with Mark Spain, the Chief Fire Officer, um, not so long ago, and we spoke about the fact that um, the fireworks celebrations are going to be the 29th of August now. Um, if there is... A- fire ban declared. There's People aren't going to be able to let off their fireworks, are they? It's, it's going to be uh, one of those days where the conditions are could potentially be quite difficult.
1: Yeah, look, every day we assess the risk. We work with the uh, Bureau of Meteorology and our counterparts at Bushfires NT to understand what the uh, forecast fire weather is going to do. And from that, we make decisions, particularly around declaring uh, fire bans. Um, now, if a fire ban does happen to occur on a date that's selected for uh, the Territory Day celebrations or Freedom Day, uh, then uh, that will mean wherever that fire ban uh, does happen to fall, then the use of fireworks is illegal. Um, you cannot, uh, no person uh, shall cause a fire uh, to be lit in the open portion of Northern Territories. That includes the use of angle grinders, anything that can cause sparks, yep. uh, even engines that don't have uh, fitted spark arresters. So, you know, old uh, petrol engines on lawnmowers or chainsaws, etc. So the use of them uh, is illegal uh, during a fire uh, ban period yep. uh, so that we can reduce the risk of any fires occurring.
0: Now, I know um, we did just have a call from a listener by the look of it, Sue. She was asked asking about uh, her neighbours really long grass and what they can do about it. If there's, I mean, if you've got a neighbour who maybe hasn't taken care of their property as well as what you do, what can you do about it?
1: Yeah, certainly you can make those referrals to our fire investigation prevention team. Um, you know, it's really important that uh, rural property owners are managing their property for fire, so they have a fire break installed, but they're also managing that accumulation of of, um, of uh, flammable material, is what we would call it, so grass. Um, you know, already uh, this top-end dry season, uh, our office of inspectors' properties right throughout the Darwin Rural Area uh, within our emergency response area and we've issued approximately 200 notices to landholders who have not yet been compliant to that direction. So that's for both uh, fire break installation and yep. also for accumulation of uh, uh, flammable material.
0: Once they get that notice, are people then generally pretty cooperative or...?
1: Yeah, generally about 80% will take heed of that notice and they'll uh, take the appropriate action, whatever's been identified by the officers uh, having a look at their property. Yep. Uh, but as Result of those notices that we have issued today date, a further 20 infringements have already uh, been issued. Yeah. And work's ongoing where we've got recalcitrant landowners that choose to do nothing. Uh, we're working through that to take further action against and, them. And so,
0: really, if they're not going to do anything, they could cop a fine?
1: Uh, more than a fine, potentially. So, uh, the fine is just one stage in that enforcement action. We can take additional action against those landowners, uh, and we're currently assessing those for those property owners that choose to do the wrong thing, because the important thing here with those recalcitrant landowners, um, not only are they putting themselves and their community at risk, but they're also putting our firefighters at risk that have to enter their properties.
0: Yeah. Hey, um, I know that uh, last week, I think it was, on Macmillan's, um, there was a a fire there. You guys have sent us through a photo. It looks like it was pretty significant, and um, 18 hours spent controlling it.
1: Yeah, certainly a significant fire that day that uh, did result in use of aircraft to assist our ground crews in establishing containment lines. So that was burning on that Robertson's Barracks uh, estate there. And, uh, yeah, although it was pretty mild conditions, you know, it's reflective of the increase in grass growth that we've got, how uh, quickly and, and fast a fire will move, uh, even on a more milder day. So mm. it wasn't a fire ban day. We didn't have extreme fire danger, but yet that fire still posed significant risk and, and, and was quite a, a challenge for our crews. So um, certainly I think we had about uh, four aircraft assisting our firefighters with that, and as well as our career staff uh, through Darwin and our volunteers.
0: And I understand that there was also a fire where, um, where our, well, the volunteer firefighters uh, and also, um, I believe, your crews went out and saved a property. Was that last Thursday?
1: Uh, I think that one was back on the 20th of July oh, out at okay. uh, Bees Creek. And uh, yeah, we, we had around uh, seven fire units there, uh, a mix of career and volunteers. And uh, look, it really was uh, such great feedback to receive from that landowner. Uh, it's quite heartwarming uh, to receive this, knowing that our people are out in the community each and every day making a difference. Yeah. Um, But I guess the important message here and to to go back to our fire breaks, you know, this could have been a very different story uh, if that, property uh, wasn't prepared, didn't have their fire breaks installed, didn't have a plan in place, uh, we might not have been seeing such uh, great feedback because their property could have been uh, severely damaged.
0: Well, and I guess, you know, if you're a townie like me, you probably don't know exactly what needs to be done to prepare your property, but for a lot of our rural uh, landowners they have got a very good idea of what they need to do. Is there somewhere though like if if somebody, let's say, has just bought a property out in the rural area and they're not 100% sure exactly what they need to do to make sure that they are prepared is there somewhere they can go or someone they can actually have a chat to even to try and sort it all out?
1: Yeah there's a couple of great tools that uh, new property owners or even old property owners that just want to do a little bit more can go to. They can go to the Police Fire Emergency Services webpage yep. and click on to the uh, Fire and Rescue Service and in there is a, a really good property uh, bushfire planning guide that talks about the steps that uh, landowners need to take or land occupiers need to take to pre- uh, to prepare their property yep. but also reaching out to our volunteers. You know, Volunteer's live in a community, um, they understand the risk in that local area and they're a really great asset to be able to work with to identify what uh, property owners can do to protect themselves. And
0: are you always, like, uh, I mean, are we always looking for volunteer firefighters? If there's somebody listening this morning who thinks, hey, I've actually worked as a volunteer firey interstate or, or I'd be really keen to sort of learn...
1: Yeah, certainly. Our, our volunteer brigades will always uh, accept, uh, you know, new members. Uh, we'll, we're we're always accepting applications from members of the community who wish to volunteer. Yeah. Um, you know, there is a variety of roles. Uh, there's some training that we can get them if if they um, haven't ever volunteered before in that space. So certainly approach their local volunteer brigade or get in contact with the Fire and Rescue Service.
0: Well, it does sound like it's going to be a busy uh, busy fire season for you guys. We always appreciate you coming in, Josh. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Thanks, Kate. Thank you. It is the assistant uh, chief fire officer there Joshua Fisher. Now if